Coyotes fans, welcome to Desert Dogcast, Five for Howling, and Espionation's official Arizona Coyotes podcast. I'm your host, Rob Liano. Rose and Carl, they're at work, unable to join us today, but that's okay. We got a guy, familiar voice, coming back to, uh, if you're ever a fan of Inside the Glass, it's Eric Luck. Welcome back, Eric. Oh, it's great to be back, Rob. Uh, yeah. I hope we're under better circumstances, uh, than this uh, loss that we just saw today, but it is good to be back on the airwaves. Yeah, you know, one of the things, uh, I, was, I was glad to have you back to talk about these kind of games because, you know, I know someone like you, you're, you, you I know you can uh, definitely call it out and ca- call out some uh, some real stuff when it happens. And, you know, we can, we, we can both collectively say that this game was probably one of the worst games we've seen the Coyotes play all season long. Oh, yeah. For me, it was without a doubt the worst game I've seen them play all year. I mean, from the get-go, in the first five minutes of that first period, you know, it just looked like the Coyotes were missing a couple of gears compared to Colorado. And, you know, like a lot of people heading into um, the 16-team bracket, I thought that the teams coming out of the play-ins would have a few extra steps on the teams coming out of the round robin because they were just playing meaningful games. You know, I thought that they'd be a little bit more ready for those intense playoff type games, but that's not at all what we saw tonight. And I mean, and what surprises me the most about it too, is that the Coyotes fared relatively well, not even relatively well, quite well against Colorado during the regular season. They shut them out on one occasion, three to nothing, and then lost in overtime four, three in their other meeting. And, um, you, you wouldn't know it. I mean, like at points in this game, it looked like the two teams were playing in different leagues. Yeah, plus the uh, I, I was listening to a lot of intermission reports on the radio because I uh, I kind of switch between radio and TV every now and then to kind of see what where analysis is coming from, and obviously it shouldn't surprise anyone that after that second period when they only had seven shots on net that that was the lowest that they had all season long. Oh, the way, if you just watch the game, they didn't this game. And once again, for as, as just a quick reminder, we are talking about round one, game one with the Colorado Avalanche. The They just didn't generate any chances. So, like, they were always in their own zone. They couldn't break out. They couldn't get and uh, really establish a true forecheck. And it just was – it was hard to watch, man. Oh, they were constantly on their heels. I mean, it was very, very, very clear from throughout the game. I mean – I thought that the Hjalmarsson Golgoski pair was quite good throughout the night, but all they were doing was clearing rebounds from the front of the net, making sure that, you know, guys like Nathan McKinnon couldn't get passes right across the slot. Um, and they just, they were playing all defense. You know, the, the Coyotes defensemen were just making sure that, you know, Colorado didn't capitalize at any given moment. They weren't really doing much to break out, move the puck up the ice. Like you were saying earlier, Rob, and um, it was just all around a poor effort. They're really going to have to make some major adjustments uh, for game two if they want the series to uh, turn out differently. You know, and what's what's crazy, too, that I go looking throughout this game is I think uh, under certain circumstances, I think this game could have ended regulation and nothing, nothing because of the performance of of Darcy Kemper. But obviously, you know, once that first goal go that first goal goes in on a power play goal, that the floodgates are open, and it, it just seemed the Coyotes looked very, 
dead after that first goal. Oh, yeah. The wind was out of their sails completely at that point. And I mean, I was watching the game uh, here at home with my buddy, with my roommate. And the minute that the uh, the Avalanche scored that first goal, I was just like, okay, that's it. You know, the Coyotes offense has been anemic all night. Um, I I was unconfident in their ability to even overcome a one go one goal deficit, let, a go, let alone a what would later become a two and a three goal deficit. Um, I, I just don't understand. I did, they didn't come ready to play. You would think that this team would be eager to perform and eager to play, given that this is the first Coyotes playoff appearance since 2012. I think the only holdover from that team's OEL. Um, and you just didn't see any of that. You It just lacked intensity. It was an uninspiring effort. And um, there's going to be plenty of stuff for the Coyotes coaching staff to work with, though it will be virtually all negative and just making adjustments uh, to those negatives. And if you read some of the reports from yesterday's practice, uh, a lot of the uh, local Coyotes reporters were saying that Rick Tunkett was very upset with the way they practiced, that they just weren't all there. They just didn't seem like the intensity was there. They, they weren't ready. And it just seemed that it definitely seemed evident in this, in this game. They were just uh, slow to start off with and slow to finish. And, you know, you just can't do that, especially in a playoff series. And uh, like you said, this is the first playoff series in eight years. You'd think that they'd add the extra intensity. And on top of that, I'll even say that, you know, where is the where is that intensity coming from the from the veteran leadership who have the playoff experience? Phil Kessel, Nicholas Jomerson, Alex Goligoski. These guys should have act probably, you know, talk to the bench and say, hey, let's fire this crap back up and let's try to actually fight. But this just didn't, it didn't have that. Yeah, I mean, they were getting chased all night, man. Uh, I mean, there's just no other way to cut it. The only good stretch of the game that they would have, I would say objectively, you know, just to give them a bit of credit, was the first half of the second period. I thought that they actually were pretty decent. You know, they were establishing some offensive zone possession. I mean, albeit not that much. Um, they weren't giving the avalanche nearly as many uh, high danger chances or, or anything like that. And, um, but I mean, other than that, it was just a, a thoroughly poor effort throughout. And I mean, I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand how like even a guy like Nicholas Hjalmarsson, you know, or Jalmerson, sorry. Uh, could sit there and allow this to happen. You know, he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion. I thought that he had a pretty good game himself, but um, I, I just don't see how they couldn't turn it around at least a little bit. There was just, a, like you said earlier, you know, complete lack of, you just didn't see them fighting back at all. Yeah, and and again, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd hope to see that out of a, uh, out of a playoff team. Uh, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of people were waiting to see what the status with Nick Schmaltz was supposed to be, you know, whether or not he was supposed to play today. But I think even then, you know, let's say he that because he wasn't even there for the Nashville series. And, you know, you and I were saying that, you know, they, they played decently well against Nashville, even without Nick Schmaltz. And I, it was good against Nashville, not yeah. even decently well. Like, I thought they were really, really good. Not really good. Okay, they had the slow starts against Nashville. They allowed probably 10 more shots a game than they should have. But I thought overall, 
the Coyotes showed up to play against Nashville, especially the big boys, especially, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson. He had a fantastic play-in series. So did Taylor Hall. So did Phil Kessel. And I thought that those guys, like plus Darcy Kemper, obviously, that goes without saying, were the difference makers for the Coyotes in that play-in series. And just none of that carried over into today's game. You know, I I, I got to go ahead and th- and and think, you know, of course, you know, a lot of these being young guys that maybe they were, maybe, you know, it being a game one of an actual playoff series that they kind of maybe were, you know, deer in the headlights kind of moment because they were going up against the Colorado Avalanche who are supposed to be some of the favorite, one of the favorite teams to win the West. So you go, you have to go, go up against that, let alone, you know, a guy in Nathan McKinnon who also has some, you know, stacked talent right next to him. You know, maybe that caused a deer in a headlight moment for them. But even then, this is a professional hockey team we're talking about that they kind of got to step it up that intensity. And that's what you hope for game two. You hope that the young players on the Coyotes roster, you know, it is a young team. It's a growing team. This is the first time they've made the playoffs in eight years. You know, it's been a long, painful rebuild as any Coyotes fan knows, um, you got to hope that those young players got their jitters out today, that they're going to come ready to play in game two, you know, realize that they just have to go out there, play, play their game, just how they did throughout the season, just how they did against Nashville and hope that Arizona gets a different outcome. Cause I think that if they go down two Oh, in the series, their chances are not looking very good. I mean, I don't think it takes a genius to say that, but, um, you really, I really, really hope that those uh, those jitters are out of their system. Yeah, you're, you'd sure hope so. I'm sure, uh, you know, once they went back into the locker room after after this first game, I'm sure Rick Tockett definitely had some choice words for the locker room. As he um, should, rightfully so. Yeah, as he should. Uh, and that's, you, you know, hopefully they get something. You know, the last, you know, I know the last couple of games – um, like let's say between game one and two of the play-in series, you know, Rick Tiger's like, all right, these, the, the boys played well, so they'll, you know, have an off day. You don't really have to worry too much. I'm sure because of the performance from, from today's game, going in tomorrow, he's going to have him work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they, they just need a reset and they need to get that done in any way that they can. Because whatever today was can't happen again. I mean, you and I were texting during the game. I mean, we're in two different cities right now. Um, And right after the first period, um, we were both saying that, you know, you can't, something to the effect of you can't expect to win when you're playing 90% of the game in your own zone. I mean, like up until that point, up until the floodgates opened for those three goals, you know, the Coyotes were playing a very well-structured, good game in their defensive zone. You know, they were blocking the passing lanes for Colorado, um, forcing the chances to the outside. And I mean, it's a big problem to be playing that much of the game in your own zone. But I think you can at least find some positive in how well-structured of a game they played in the defensive zone. Yeah, and again, I think, like like we were saying slightly earlier too about limiting the chances, is I saw a lot of these, you know, the shot attempts, as you can see from um, looking at right now, what is it? Yeah, 40 shots, four that the Avalanche had. 
a lot of those were, you know, from the outside, you know, near the blue line. And, you know, shots that Darcy Kemper, it's like a, it's like, you know, like a, just like a quick, routine saves. It's routine save. He can do that in, a, in with his eyes closed kind of save. So right. it, it, it wasn't definitely, it wasn't a difficult game for him by that standards. But again, like when you're going to have to face that many shots, things are eventually go in. And again, you're not like, especially with the amount of pressure that the avalanche just kind of kept trying to put on to the, uh, to the coyotes. So, you know, and that's the thing that we were talking about in the last episode that we had with Craig Morgan is as, as great of a story as Doris Kemper is, and probably still arguably probably one of the, you know, on, among the best goaltenders in this, uh, in the playoff field, the Coyotes cannot rely on him solely because that's going to re- create so many problems. As, as we already saw, you got to generate, you, you got to find a way, have to find a way to generate something and have and play a full 60 minute game. What the Coyotes need to figure out how to do is force more of the play to happen in Colorado zone. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do that given how things look today. And I mean, I'm sure that they were trying to do exactly that today, but given how high powered uh, Colorado's offense is, especially that top line. I mean, that top line is just scary. I mean, along with the, uh, the Pasternak, Bergeron, uh, Marshan line in Boston, that's the, the best line in the National Hockey League. I mean, those two lines are in a league of their own. And if you give that high powered Colorado offense that much time in the offensive zone, you're just setting yourself up for failure. And if you can eliminate that somewhat by forcing more of the play to occur in Colorado's zone, I think that the Coyotes would have a chance at, you know, winning game two, winning game three, you know, and and turning this series around. Because if you look at how these teams stack up, I genuinely believe that the Coyotes have one of the most underrated decors in the National Hockey League. They have fantastic goaltending. Everyone who watches this team knows that. And I think that they have a capable forward group. It could be better. I mean, I really think that they still could use a, uh, a good, you know, bonafide first-line center. But the forward group is capable enough. And as long as they can find a way to force more of the play to occur in Colorado's zone, um, I like how they match up against Colorado. And that's, and that's one of the things of why everyone wanted this matchup to happen in the first place. Because, like, yeah, you know, if you really look at it, you know, before, before the, the uh, matchup was even made up, when they're trying to determine is it going to be against Vegas or is it going to be against Colorado, Arizona is supposed to match up with Colorado much better. Vegas is a much more dangerous team in in Arizona's eyes, although I, I would have loved it for the rivalry. But the you know it's supposed to be a, a matchup, a better matchup on paper, and really it's the way you saw you know the two teams match up over the in the regular season, you know the only two times they actually played. But, I mean, there's still, I mean, a lot to be learned from from this game. And I remember, too, that one game that they lost in OT against Colorado during the regular season. I thought that they played very, very well against Colorado 5-on-5. And going into this series, I was actually picturing that game. Because you know how when you watch a whole regular season, there's a couple of games that stick in your mind that you remember quite well. That was one of them for me for whatever reason. Um, 
And I was really expecting the Coyotes to play well against Colorado five on five because I thought that they lost that game the minute they went to three on three because Colorado is just such a fast offensive team, you know, one of the fastest in the National Hockey League. Um, And I was glad that that wouldn't be a factor in the postseason, you know, and but you just didn't see any of that. You would think that Colorado smoked them in both uh, regular season meetings this year, but I mean, that wasn't the case. So maybe the Coyotes can find some uh, comfort in that, that they have beaten Colorado before that they did play well against Colorado during the regular season. I mean, they had three of four points and it was still two games that they played against them. Right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, maybe look back at the tape of that game, you know, see what they did. Right. See how they shut down, you know, the Ranton and McKinnon, Landis Cog line. Though Kadri was mostly on that line tonight. Yeah. Um, from what I saw. They definitely moved uh, moved the lines a lot. And I think, you know, that kind of forced Arizona to move some of the lines around too. Because they, you know, you need guys. They needed to get guys who can, uh, who were able to skate with McKinnon. But you also need guys who were able to skate with uh, with with the other lines that had Don Scoy or Kadri uh, or... Um, or, or, or yeah, or Janssen, like, yeah, you know, this is, that's a scary team and just as a, as a whole. So you gotta, you, you know, they, there's going to be, a, it doesn't, it's not going to surprise me. There's going to be more shuffling in the lines in the in game two again. There and should again. be. I mean, talk, it needs to make some adjustments. Yeah. Here's another question though, that probably should be asked. I think, uh, I kind of mentioned earlier too, is before game one, essentially they were saying it's up to Nick Schmoltz whether or not he can or can't play in, the, in you know, whatever next game. Does he play in game two? I mean, I think he should. However, you can't chalk up this loss to just the Coyotes missing their second line center. Absolutely yeah. not. But, you, yeah, there was so much more that went wrong today other than Nick Schmaltz not being there. I I mean, yeah. Yeah, that I mean Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh and that's what makes that's what makes a lot of questions too. I think, you know, maybe what I think could still happen though, you know, obviously getting him in could maybe inject a little bit more life into the team, you know, a little more excitement because you know, obviously, you know, losing a guy like him was was pretty big in the first place. But again, they were they were to manage without him in that, against Nashville. Well, maybe but, it'll make the matchups down the middle a little bit more difficult for Colorado. You know, having another centerman, another quality centerman in the lineup. You know, being able to move Derek Stepan back down to the third line. You know, having Dvorak, Schmaltz, and Stepan as your top three line centers. I mean, I think it will make some difference. But I mean, there's a lot of you know, structural issues and, you know, strategic issues that they have to fix um, before game two. You know, maybe maybe this loss, maybe getting so handily defeated and so thoroughly dominated in a game like this, you know, in such an important game, first playoff game in eight years, right? I mean, we've said that enough times already. Um, maybe that will inject a little bit of life into them. Maybe um, they're going to play with a little bit more of a chip under their shoulder. Um, in game two, considering the outcome today. You know what I really want to see? Also, like, partially joking, but it'd also be kind of funny yet really cool. 
get a uh, a bit of a virtual hype meeting with with uh, with Paul Bissonnette because you know that guy can uh, can maybe inject some fun yeah, words. More growled up a little bit. Oh yeah, and I mean they're a good team. The Coyote, I still think that the Coyotes are a good team. I mean, I don't think that people should look at this game and say, okay, the Coyotes are dead in the water. There's no way that they're going to beat the Avalanche. They're going to get swept by the Avalanche. I don't think now is the time to hit the panic button. You know, and like like you were saying with Bissonette, just in general, um, I think the biggest thing that they can take out of this game is motivation. You know, motivation to show everyone that there's a reason why they're in the playoffs. There's a reason why they beat Nashville you know, that they deserve to be here and, you know, just show the rest of the hockey world that they actually are good, that they're a good team, you know, because when you're a small market team like Arizona, you'll get overlooked by even very, very, very uh, well-rounded, well-knowledgeable fans and people in the media, you know, and now's kind of their time to shine and be in the, in the spotlight. And maybe that motivation of, you know, just showing the rest of the hockey world, um, what they're made of is going to get the Coyotes going in game two. Um, yeah, I mean, I could definitely tell that there's that they're all, they're always being that team that's looked over as uh, I mean, you're like, we've just been hearing like a lot of people still, they don't, they, 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 they've been counting out Arizona for what the longest time. And, you know, yeah. and then I think that's why um, I think after, right after the Nashville game, that's when Brad Richardson was kind of saying like, you know, we've been he- hearing a lot of us, a, a lot of us being, the underdogs here and I'm sick and tired of it and all stuff like that. And I, and I'm like, and I, now I think back to that and I'm now I'm thinking about that again. I, we need that Brad Richardson to make that kind of, you know, appearance to, you know, get that kind of motivation to the team. That's what's going to help. You need that yeah, kind of bottle up that energy. Just capture yep. that with lightning in a bottle and use that for game two. But like the it's other like, thing too, and I'll ask you about this, Rob, the thing that blows my mind about this matchup is like, yes, the Avalanche are now viewed as a contender, right? As a yeah. heavy contender. Like a lot of people are picking them to win the Stanley Cup. And you know, for good reason. They're they're a good team on paper. They have a lot of talent. You know, on they my have a trophy finalist. Sorry? I said on, on my bracket, I have them winning in the West. Yeah. And you know, they have a hard trophy finalist down the middle. They have some veteran guys on there, you know. Um and, you know, they're a team that's very, very, very well capable of making a deep run into the playoffs. And just last year, the Coyotes were in a brutal race down the stretch for the final wildcard spot in the West. And it's just amazing to me how drastically things have changed in one year. And you almost have to ask yourself, have the Avalanche genuinely risen that much above the Coyotes? Because, I mean, the Coyotes were first in the Pacific before Kemper went down, before Ronta went down. And, I mean, no disrespect to Aiden Hill. He's a great goalie. I always loved covering him in Tucson. I covered the Roadrunners for three years with Rob uh, back in Tucson, for those of you who uh, who didn't listen in the past to Inside the Glass. Um, but, I mean, not many teams would be able to weather the storm of losing your top two goaltenders, having to start your third string goalie for that um, extensive a period of time and um, expect to keep a really high place in the standings. So, I mean, I think where Arizona finished in the Western Conference standings does not indicate the level of raw talent that's actually on the team, you know, and given what things looked like last year. I mean, I know they didn't have McCarr and I know they didn't have Kadri and those are two, you know, huge pieces on the Avalanche team this year, but 
I think that to a certain degree, you have to ask yourself, have the Avalanche really surpassed the Coyotes as much as most people seem to assume now? I I think a lot of it goes to um, the acquisitions that were made. Obviously, like like you were saying, obviously, well, McCarr was a late season acquisition for the Avalanche last year. Right. He's Um, been great for them. Yeah, but getting up, getting like we were saying earlier, Kadri, Donskoy, Janssen, um, I think one among a couple others. It was you know pretty pretty good, but obviously to get Kadri, um, and I think one other guy they lost. They had to lose Barry. That was a huge piece they, on the blue line. They lost Alexander Kerfoot, and I think one other guy. So they lost like three guys. Like so, there's a little bit of, I mean. Yes, Kadri is a great player, so I think it, it 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 definitely benefited them in a lot in that case. Um, but then you have to look at who Arizona added, and that being you know Phil Kessel, Taylor Hall as the main two big names, right? Right. Um, and they didn't really make not from what I my knowledge any big losses. Um, so no, to to answer your question. No, I don't think that the Avalanche risen so much higher, you know, than the Coyotes rise, but it just makes things difficult because of the way the the forward groups are set up right now. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that assessment. Absolutely. And that's the other thing, too, like on the note of, you know, Hall and Kessel, the entire Coyotes forward group was basically invisible today. I mean, nobody in the Coyotes forward group today stood out at all. Like I was at times, like I was sitting there wondering like, okay, like when was the last time Kessel was out on the ice? When was the last time Hall was out on the ice? You know, where both of those guys had very, very, very big presences in the, uh, in the Nashville play-in series. And, and that's the big thing. They, that's, that's another thing for them. You know, it's not only forcing more of the play to happen in the, uh, in the avalanche zone, you know, not playing as much in their zone, um, they need those two guys especially to show up how they did during the play-in. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, too, is uh, I'm just kind of like, you know, perusing through Twitter and, you know, seeing some of the other reactions. A lot of people were talking about that, you know, again, that last penalty, too, right? Right. Um, you know, the, the, what, guys, what gets that first goal. You know, I think what was step on that committed the, People were saying the ghost penalty that shouldn't have really have been. Yeah, it was a weak call. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, should it have been called? Probably not. Should that should that have affected the game that drastically? No. I mean, because the Coyotes were like we were saying earlier, they they were uh, they were just outmatched for the most part in general. It probably could have. It probably would have ended regulation tied. Nothing. Nothing. But. I mean, how often does that happen, though? I mean, I can only think of a handful of games, you know, in my lifetime watching hockey that have ended in a 0-0 tie going to OT. And, I mean, given how thoroughly dominated they were throughout the game, you know, like you were alluding to earlier, um, you can't say, like, oh, the only reason why the Coyotes lost and the only reason why they didn't get to OT is because of a weak penalty call. And that's that's the thing, um, is we can't pinpoint that, but – you know, because I think a lot of people, and I, I just wanted to address that because a lot of people were going to ask that question. You know, what if that, what, you know, what if, what if, what if, 
let's stop with the what ifs because what if they got more than nine shots in the first two periods or whatever it was seven shots i think it was seven yeah still single digits single digit shots on goal through 40 minutes of play is unacceptable no matter which way you slice it and if you were playing that way up until the point where there was a questionable penalty called that ended the tie game. Um, I mean, I don't think you can put it all on that. Oh, no, you, de- you definitely can. You definitely cannot. Um, so, you know, the Coyote is definitely going to have to regroup and, uh, you know, re- definitely uh, do a lot of adjustments for game two. Um, so with that, like what, 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 what is your, what, what would your expectations for game two be? And again, they're going to have that, day off which i probably like like i said earlier probably won't be a day off talk it's going to work them make sure they uh they know it that they know right. they have their game but what do you think we well, should expect from this team in game two one of two things is going to happen either this loss is going to have them so rattled that the wind is going to be completely out of their sails and we're going to see you know a similarly not maybe not necessarily a similarly poor effort that we saw today but just another game where Colorado was is in control of it throughout. That that's one option. The other option is that the Coyotes use this game, you know, as motivation. Like I was saying earlier, you know, show the, the the rest of the hockey world how good you are. Show the rest of the hockey world that you deserve to be in this tournament right now. That you deserve to be in the playoffs. You know, get rid of whatever jitters, whatever demons were in your closet during Game One, and come out and play an inspired game in Game Two. Obviously, I hope it's the latter. But yeah. that's what I think is going to happen. It's one of those two things. And yeah, I can figure it out. I could definitely see it going either way too. And again, I'm with you. I hope it's the I hope it's the latter too because you know we all we all want to see a good story and 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 this Coyotes team trying to make a run because you know you don't want to see them you know get in you know on that exciting first you know, play in round and then you know limp out as in that kind of fashion. That's just not going to. That's just not. Not good for the fan base. It's not good for the team. It's just, you know, so many, so so many other problems like that can arise from that. So yeah, I definitely hope for the latter too. Um, one thing I probably, yeah. yeah but who's a who's a player that I, you think will make will will rise that that could rise to the occasion? Phil Kessel. Feel the thrill. You know, he was such a difference maker for the Pittsburgh Penguins, especially during their 2017 Cup run. He probably should have won the Conn Smythe that year over Sidney Crosby. And, you know, like like I'm saying, you know, he he's a guy that has a history of rising to the occasion in the playoffs. And I have a feeling that he's the type that would, you know, really come back with the inspired effort that the Coyotes need for game two. I'm going to go with Phil Kessel. What about you, Rob? Um, I want to see more, a lot more from Christian Dvorak. He's not, I, I, cause I, I, he's not one of those, you know, like vets, like, like, like Phil Kessel is, but he makes, he, in, in, uh, in the Nashville series, he makes, he, he made an on ice, on ice presence that stuck, that, that stuck out to me. And I just want to see him, you know, make a, you know, actually, you know, kind of feel feel that fire again so i think i want to see what he can do should he rise the occasion um yeah, and I, mean, I agree with that completely i mean 
in the Nashville series, the Hall Kessel Dvorak line was excellent. You know, Dvorak didn't look out of place at all centering a first NHL line, you know, with guys like Phil Kessel and Hall on his wings. So, yeah, absolutely, that would be a great guy to, you know, show up and, and be a difference maker in game two. Absolutely. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this one turns out. One thing I also will say, and I know, you know, if we want to kind of, you know, turn back the clock about a week or so and um, look back to the other series, not on the same level, but game two was a, definitely one of the one of the team's worst outings until again the you know final five minutes or whatever it was. Um, I, I think yeah, I think they only scored. Yeah, and I mean after that game two effort um, against Nashville, they turned it around and they won two consecutive games. I would say in a decisive and convincing fashion. So hopefully that becomes a trend with game two tomorrow, uh, with game two in a couple of days. Yeah, that's what and that's what I really want to hope to hear because that that was a um, that was definitely a, like like you said that was a a big difference between that game two loss that could have been for nothing um, to they you know that bit, that big game three win so maybe we'll see that again I, you know we're reporters we're not part of the team. We can't tell you what they're feeling right now and what we can't really get in their heads, but you'd really, you'd really hope that'd be the case. Yeah, you really would. And Hey, maybe the Kachinas will be the difference come game three and game four, you know, look good, feel good, play good. Oh, we know that Kachinas are always going to make the difference. (laughs) (laughs) I love those jerseys, man. I really do. Oh, fantastic design. Never should have gone away from him. Yeah, I've been following some some social media where people are saying, "Let's just make these permanent, guys, please." I think they will once they have a new building. That's my prediction. But I think for now, while they're in Glendale, they enjoy the whole like Saturday night Kachina promotion um, as another excuse to get the fan base out to Glendale during the weekend when it's easiest for uh, most people in Metro Phoenix to get out to the arena. But right. I think once they have a new building. I could see them going back to the Kachinas full-time. But for now, for promotional purposes, um, I think that they're going to stick with the current arrangement. Because, I mean, think of it this way. I think we also all like the Kachinas so much because of the novelty of them. You know, you don't see them every single game. You only see them on the weekend games or on the really big games or right now during the playoffs. And once they switch to those jerseys full-time, I'm not saying that the Kachina jersey is the only reason why somebody comes out to an arena, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, for promotional purposes, it might be better to keep the current arrangement while they're in Glendale. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like that special feeling. I really, Right. Because um, that side note, I really enjoyed. And I never went to a Roadrunners game when they went, wore the Kachinas, but I, I from the what I was gathering is people really enjoyed the promotional days when they wear the their jerseys. So, I mean, I, I get it. Yeah. I was disappointed when they announced that Jersey and that I wouldn't be able to see it in person because I moved away from Tucson last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, they're cool jerseys, you know, it provides a little bit of continuity with the, uh, the big club up in Phoenix or up in Glendale. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, but enough of Jersey talk though. Um, yeah. We're just hoping not to see one-sided effort. I mean, that's that's all you can really hope for, I think, at this point. 
and I and I, and I think there will be a, you know like the, the Coyotes will rise to occasion for you know as much as as much as they can. It's just uh, unfortunate. It just sucks because right now because the um the the way that they looked matched up just looked completely off in this in that in that game one and it it gives you cause for concern and I and for those that listened to our previous episode of Craig Morgan you you remember that three out of the four of us picked the Avalanche to win this series in six games one picked the Coyotes to win in seven I did too so um so. Eric will be that's you know the second person to have the Coyotes winning in seven. Um, so we know the Coyotes are going to give that effort and they're going to come back. The question is just like how far can they take it? That's that, that, that's what it's real. That's what, that's, that's what it really is. How far can they take it? And are the veterans going to step up? Yeah, that's all you can do. You got to shake it off and you got to use it as motivation. You got. Now, one more thing that I will say uh, from a positive standpoint for the Coyotes, you know, I'm not a big advanced stats guy. Rob knows that, but I'm looking right. at natural stat trick right now. And if you look at the high danger scoring chances that the Coyotes and Avalanche got um, in that game, in all situations, you know, five on five power play, whatever, the Coyotes had three and Nashville had eight. So even though Nashville had, I mean, not Nashville, Ab- Colorado. Even though Colorado had 40 shots on goal and the Coyotes only had 14, the Coyotes only limited Colorado to only eight high danger chances out of those 40 shots. So I think that if, like I said, you know, if they can just limit that offensive zone time just a little bit more and keep playing that tight defensive game, I think you'll see good results. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's definitely a good point, a good thing to point out. And, that's the thing that that we were mentioning earlier about you know limiting those chances, and if they can keep doing that, that's one step. It's just getting that. It's just generating that offense. Is that once they can do that, then they're good. That game one, for example, against Nashville, last you know going going back last week, that was, that, that was great. That was, yeah, that it was like what the the latter half of that first period where they scored what was it you know four goals or whatever in one. Uh, in one period, like that was an effort, and that's what the kind of offense. And that's what I was hoping. They would... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I'm just saying that. That's what you want to see. That's the kind of. That's what we were hoping to see in this series, at least at some point. At least maybe in this game, even this first game, at some point after what they saw, you know, after let's say after the first 40 minutes, you wanted to see that in at least the third period. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was hoping to see too, you know, just as you were. I was hoping that, you know, Kemper making all the saves that he was up until letting in the three goals was going to demoralize at the Colorado a little bit and that the Coyotes would just get, you know, a couple of good chances, you know, maintain pressure for just a little bit, score a couple of quick, dirty goals, and they would come out with the win and steal the win in that game. But obviously that didn't happen. And maybe that's something that we could see them do in game two. Who knows? We will see indeed. Um, do you want to give any final thoughts before we close off this one? I think I'm good. I mean, we know what the Coyotes need to do. They got to improve, use the motivation, all that. 
What about you? Yeah, I um just just again, I just kind of wanna wanna reiterate too that uh once again this is just game one, but No, it's not by any means time to hit the panic button. Yeah. So you know, I know a lot like there are fans that want to hit the panic button. Don't do that. We don't need to do that yet. Uh, I know, you know, talk is definitely, you know, still pro- even probably still now, which we're recording like about 90 minutes after the, maybe even two hours after the game. Uh, he's probably still chewing out their ear and probably still yeah. telling them that they're going to, you know, skate like crap tomorrow. But, you know, you, that's what you need out of the team, out of, you know, from the fan base, from you guys. You sure hope that what all you got to do right now is just you know hope that w- the message that Tocket gives t- tonight is received, and that come what is it Thursday right yeah Friday, come Friday that they actually that that, that that they that they show up and they don't go down to nothing. You don't don't worry about it too much. Don't hit the panic button yet. And, like, on that note, too, the thing that you have to remember is that this is the first time these two teams have seen each other in months. Right? Right. So maybe this is just what the Coyotes needed to feel out the avalanche a little bit, make those adjustments. You know, they just got done playing Nashville, which is a drastically different team in terms of how they're built compared to Colorado. And, uh, you know, some lessons are best learned the hard way, and let's hope that this one sticks with them. Absolutely. On that, on that note, we'll go ahead and close things off. Um, once again, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Desert Dogcast. We'll, tr- um, we'll try to get some post-game shows here on more often so we can get some uh, instant reaction of these games as best as possible. Game 2 will be Friday at what is it, 11 a.m., right? 11, 11.30, early game. I think so. I have to pull up the schedule. Yes, yeah, so it will be uh, Friday at 11 a.m. here in Arizona time. So if you live on the East Coast, that's what one, two, two, nice two. and early. Nice and early. Um, but uh, I like, 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 maybe, maybe they, maybe they need that again. Maybe the uh, the afternoon game threw them off. <laughs> maybe uh, just maybe any possible explanation. I'll take that. Yeah, we'll we'll take we'll we'll we'll, we'll put that one, we'll put that one on there because because why not? Well, why not? I, thanks for listening to this episode of Desert Dogcast. Thanks for Eric for jumping on and uh, having him back. It was definitely great having you back, Eric. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and, hopefully you guys will hear more of me uh, throughout these playoffs. Absolutely. We'll uh, and and maybe we'll have you on with the rest of the crew too, so we can have a a full discussion. But once again, thanks everyone for listening. Be sure to like and sub- like us and subscribe. We're on YouTube. We're on uh, I was about to say YouTube. What? No, we're on Twitter um, at Desert Dogcast at Five for Howling. On Spotify, on Apple, on Google, literally you can find us anywhere. But uh, feel free to subscribe and you know leave a good review if you can because that will always help us. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you guys next time.